Good morning, baseball fans. Welcome to the 18th edition of the Walk-Off Bach. Today is August 19th, 2016. Um, I am, my name is Kevin Kim. I'm here with my co-host, Tom Mulhern. Hey, Tom. Hey, Kev. How are you doing? Hey, not bad, not bad. Well, I'm not doing that bad, but the Red Sox, you know, snapping their six-game winning streak. Uh, before we go on to the Beantown Banter, anything you want to say? No, not not particularly right now. All right, cool. All right, let's get right into it then. Uh, like I said, Red Sox losing to the Tigers 4-3 to today. The game started by Clay Buckholtz, who wasn't that bad. Uh, six innings, um, three strikeouts, 80 pi- 81 pitches. But the Red Sox bullpen, as we've seen in the past few weeks, not really putting in the work as usual. Giving up three runs in the bottom of the eighth inning to lose three to one after the Red Sox were up for well they were tied for most of the game but actually they scored two runs at the top of the eighth and they gave up three in the bottom and the Red Sox are now sixty seven and fifty three as a result. Very interesting game here. We see we've seen the bullpen really kind of you know poop the bed the past few past few weeks but we haven't seen that that much over the past week in this winning streak the biggest problems today were Junichi Tazawa and Brad Ziegler you want to talk about them a bit Tom yeah first I, I want to give a quick shout out to your PG version uh poop the bin I like that <laughs> um but but yeah you know whenever the Red Sox seem to roll it it always ends up being the bullpen that you know just Poops the bed. Uh, no, they're, they're always the ones to uh, to kill the momentum. I mean, this is a game that, you know, the Red Sox didn't play uh, two of their normal starters. Well, I guess three if you include Shaw, um, Travis Shaw. But And we'll get into that. But, you know, this is a game that, you know, the Red Sox might have had a disadvantage going into. And they were leading 3-1. Uh, to one. Uh, after six stellar uh, innings from Buckholtz, a one-run ball and, you know, an inning uh, of relief from Robbie Ross Jr., where he only used 10 pitches, seven for strikes, you know, one, two, three inning. And Tozawa, you know, this guy's arm is just dead. It's so dead. He lo- he allows three straight hits, uh, allowed, you know, um, at first only one run, but then Ziegler allows a run. Uh, off of a hit right when he comes in and then he walks bases loaded and he walks another run in and you know eventually the Tigers just take this 4-3 lead when it should have been you know it, it should have been a 1-2-3 inning you know the Red Sox were cruising they were cruising I mean granted like you said they were you know tied for a good portion of the game but you know it was 1-1 the if Buckholtz and Robbie Ross Jr and you know this isn't a knock on them at all but if they can hold the Tigers offense to one run through seven innings, then the next two innings should probably probably be shut down too. My question is, why put Tozawa in in the eighth instead of Ziegler, who should be Farrell's go-to setup guy, especially considering that Tozawa has allowed four and run, had allowed four and runs in his past three appearances before this game. True, it doesn't really make sense that Tozawa came in first. I mean, maybe, to, I mean, Tozawa has, hasn't been in a game since the 13th, 
So maybe Farrell just kind of wanted to use him in there. Ziegler's been overworked lately. He's been in like every other game for the past week. So that could be a reason why. But overall, I mean, you got to look at you got to look at the performance of the guys. And if Ziegler, he came in, it's just that maybe Farrell has so much trust in Ziegler too. Because when he came in in that Diamondbacks game, where the bases were loaded and nobody was out, Ziegler just got out of the jam with three straight Ks, and Farrell was just like. Maybe he's trying to save him for that moment, but I don't know. Just not a good decision yet again today. It's just, you know, it shouldn't have even, it shouldn't, in my opinion, it shouldn't have even gotten to that point where he needs to come in and save the day. Tozawa, you know, if he's not needed, I say rest his arm as much as possible. Year after year, you know, for the past two years at least, he's dazzled in the beginning of the season and then just completely fizzled out and both times it's been credited to you know his arm getting tired and his body getting tired you know his his innings you know they climb up and obviously his performance you know goes down his quality of performance so it's just you don't really need Tazawa in this situation because Buckles and Robbie Ross Jr. got it done through seven you know that give, gets you to Ziegler who should be your setup guy and then Kimbrell uh, who should be your closer. I mean, you did mention that Ziegler might be a little overused, but you know, Ziegler doesn't have the reputation reputation of fizzling out at the end of the season like Tazawa does. And it's just, you know, it shouldn't have even happened. Does Tazawa like- actually screw up at the end of the season? Is that is that how he's done? Because last year that didn't really seem that big. He was shut down for the remainder of the season because oh, they, that's true. They said you know it, it wasn't necessarily an injury thing. Um, it was more of a fatigue thing, and they said, you know, they didn't want him to get hurt. Um, maybe he was, you know, sore and stuff, and they were saying, okay, maybe he's a little hurt. Yeah, um, they wanted to rest his arm because yeah, he no longer needed last year. This is true. Yeah, just rest his arm. You know, he's – and, you know, he's not exactly the youngest pitcher. I mean, he's not old, but, you know – He's 30 relief now, so, pitchers, yeah. Yeah, relief pitchers tend to not be able to last too many innings. Um toward, you know, the second half of their career. And, you know, this brings me to my my next point. What if, obviously, Stephen Wright is coming back into the rotation and Clay Buckles, as well as he has done in these past two starts, it's a given that he's going to be knocked out of the rotation. So that it will be Stephen Wright, Drew Pomeranz, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, David Price, and Rick Porcello. You know, that's a good five. You don't need Buckles in there. What if, instead of putting him to his role that he had before, where he was more of a, you know, less uh, high-pressure situation, you know, role, put him in Tozawa's role from now on and put Tozawa in the role that Buckles was before, only don't use him for, you know, two or three innings like Buckles did a couple of times. I mean, I see, I see the point. I think that would be pretty useful to use Buckles in a role like that. I think... Though he's he is a sixth starter, so you you want to stretch him out. You you want him to pitch, you know, longer longer innings because you know you never know when a pitcher might get hurt. So I maybe in I would I would personally suggest like a like a long reliever role where he goes two three innings every now and then in relief of a you know a six inning start by Eduardo or or right. Um, because if you throw forty-five games, I mean, you don't, you won't, you won't have to go through a game like you did with Arizona, where you only threw seventy pitches and had to be lifted after four and a third. 
See, the thing is, is that if you put him in that setup role, that isn't to say that if he's needed to make a spot start or if he's needed to do longer relief, if, you know, a starter, you know, poops the bed, (laughs) uh, poops the bed and, uh, you know, only goes two innings. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, if you put him in there as, you know, the semi-setup role, and he only he throws one inning, one inning, one inning, game after game, I mean, it's tough to transition that into a starting role, and the Red Sox kind of need Clay Buckholz to be that sixth six pitcher, just in, the sixth starting pitcher, just in case somebody does get hurt. No, I, I get that, but also, you know, this brings me to another point. Why not try to have him pitch multiple innings as a setup role? You know, if, uh, say, David Price gets his pitch count too high after five, put Buckles in for the sixth and seventh. Yeah, that 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 is something I would definitely but that's, support. That, that's kind of that's still kind of a setup rule, you know. I mean, not necessarily. You know, you what I'm saying is use Buckles in the seventh instead of Tazawa. That's ultimately what I'm saying. It doesn't matter if he does two innings, one inning, one inning, three innings. It doesn't matter. Use him in the seventh instead of Tozawa and put Tozawa in less high-pressure situations, at least for now, because he's not showing anything quality, at least not in the past, you know, couple couple weeks. You know, I'm really worried about Buckholz's peripheral stats, to be honest. His results have been pretty good since he's, you know, the past two st- the past two starts, two starts, and you know when he was demoted. To the pen after he started gaining more usage and getting more trust by Farrell. But still, overall in the year, his strikeout rate is 5 per 9. 5.5 per 9. And his walk rate is 3.87. That goes to a FIP of 5.58. That is not good, folks. I mean, though it was kind of inflated by the the bad outings that he had earlier in the year, even since Ju- July 21st, when he did come back up to, I mean, even since July 21st when he started really gaining the trust of Farrell to be used in more higher leverage situations, he has a 3.6 strikeout per 9 ratio and 2.45 walks per 9. That is not that good. That's, it's just, when you have a reliever out there, you want, you want guys who can really miss bats. I don't know if, if you want like a high contact guy like Clay has been this year. And he's only allowed a 222 batting average balls in play. That is likely to go up if he's continued to use in this role. So I'm a little scared about that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. Um, obviously, I don't think that walks... I mean, with the strikeouts, I definitely agree that, you know, with a setup guy um, who's pitching the seventh, you don't want to draw contact, especially if he's coming in into a situation where there are guys on base. Um, you don't want that. You want him to be able to strike a guy out and then maybe force a double play if there's no outs or, or you know, strike a guy out to end an inning. Um, obviously, you want that. But I don't really think that walks are too big of an issue just because, I mean, he's allowed. He's, yeah, he hasn't allowed many walks, which is which is nice. It's just that he's just not that shut down. Per nine, I guess he has. But, I mean, when you look at it, it's four walks in his past uh, 18 innings uh, or 15, 15 innings, you know. That's not that's not too bad. I do see your point though, um, and that kind of um, does raise a little bit of a red flag. But you know, just from what we've seen from him in the bullpen, I mean, he has a three-two ERA. That's better than Tazawa's uh, four-point-five-eight now. Um, I mean, obviously that's spiked a lot uh, 
it with these uh what seven earned runs in his past uh four outings um before that he had a three one three era but still you know this isn't this isn't a a, a permanent solution that i'm you know recommending i'm saying for right now until tozawa can show that he gets his groove back put buckles in that situation and once tozawa you know figures it out and maybe you know maybe his arm gets rejuvenated a little um you know you can switch it back and put tozawa back in that role i mean it, it kind of sucks for clay buckles being bounced around from here to there but you know he's kind of the brock hold of the pitching staff right now to be honest <laughs> moving around to all these different situations and he's taking it really well um but i guess that's really all i have to say on that all right we'll see how clay is used when stephen wright comes back mm-hmm. speaking of crappy players on the red sox uh, not permanently crappy but xander bogarts he has been pretty crappy uh so again today uh going you know i mean it's, it's just so sad to see because Farrell put him in the two-hole. I mean, Bogarts got a hit today. But in August, he has 10 hits so far. 10 hits, all singles. Yeah. Two walks in 61 plate appearances. Yeah. Oof. I mean, he's just getting fed so many sliders, and he's just unable to catch up to them. And it's just... It's so sad to see that one of our... One of the best players on the Red Sox is just, just struggling so badly. Yeah. It's... You know, for, for those of you who... um. You know, ten hits might not mean a lot to you. Uh, he's hitting one seventy nine this month. One seventy nine slugging too. Yeah, just to put that. Yeah, true. Very good point. You know, just to put that in perspective. Uh, obviously, that's not good. And considering that he, he, uh, you know, through the end of June, he was bad. He uh, okay. Let's let's take this month by month. In May, he bat he batted three ninety five. In June, he batted 324. Then in July, he batted 288. And now he's batting 179. You know, it's starting to, ever since May, he started to decline um, his production. And, you know, obviously, this is the worst slump that we've seen from him so far. And this isn't by any means an indicator that, you know, maybe I'm saying that uh, Bogarts isn't the talent that we thought he is. You know, that's not it at all. I mean, he's only 23 and he's already, you know, an all star player. But like you said, Kevin, it's really it's upsetting to see um, him struggle so much just considering how hot he started off the year. I mean, but when you look at him in the box, he's just he just doesn't seem comfortable anymore. You know, before he was, you know, he was as cool as a cucumber. You know, he was very patient with his at bats. He was slinging the ball to the left. He was slinging the ball to the right. He was, you know, every once in a while showing off some power. You know, he was getting extra base hits. He was the man for the Red Sox. And now it's just, you know, he's he seems a lot more impatient uh, trying to string together, you know, those hits. He seems to look to be uh, pulling the ball a little bit more or adjusting his swing to pull the ball a little bit more, maybe trying to go for more power, maybe just trying to ball uh, to drive the ball uh, to, you know, his pull side, maybe to get better contact. But, you know, overall, it's just his swing. His swing hasn't changed. It's more of his, it's more of his approach, uh, just based on my opinion. Well, it looks like from, uh, from April to May, he had a, his medium and hard hit percentage was over 85%. 
since then it's been at close to a 60%. So he's just not really hitting the ball with authority. And that 60% figure that comes with um very low percentage in August as well, which he's been doing the, the most of is crapping. Um, yeah. His infield fly ball rate has also skyrocketed. Obviously, if you have more infield fly balls, I mean, those aren't going to go for hits no matter what happens. I mean, we can put it in every stat we want, but let's just hope that Xander, you know, he can... He, he just stops chasing all those sliders off the plate. He can get his good pitches that he knows that he can do damage with instead of just swinging at everything. Yeah. And, and you know, overall confidence too, just if you watch him, it seems that every time that he, you know, might swing at one of those sliders or, you know, he misses on a, on a high fastball or something, or maybe he'll foul off the pitch that before he would drive, he's like, he's shaking his head, you know, rapidly. He's, uh, you know, very clearly upset with himself all the time. Maybe he's just being a little hard on himself. You know, he's a 23-year-old. You know, that's only one year older than you and me. So I know that I would probably (laughs) – Yeah, I know. It's really weird to think about it that way. We've come to that age, Kevin. Uh, Anyway, so, you know, he's he's not a veteran. He – I mean, as much as we would like to think that he has the mindset of a veteran, you know, he probably – you know, he's got a long way to go to get there. Um, but at the end, end of the day, he'll be just fine. He will. Bogart's he will. will he's will gonna turn back. around. There's no question about that. It's just a matter of when, and is it gonna come at a point where maybe the Red Sox it might be too late for him to come back. Um, but you know, with the six game winning streak, uh, even though it was just snapped, he's got he's got you know a couple weeks to figure this out. All right. Well, speaking of breaking the six game winning streak, so. Very interesting tweet by Travis Shaw last night at 1.39 a.m. If Well, last night as in two nights ago. Well, if you guys do know, on Wednesday, the Red Sox played in Baltimore. And the game was rained out. Uh, they, the Red Sox won 8-1. to one. Yeah, but apparently, according to Mr. Travis Shaw here, he actually he tweeted, Update. Quote, We still haven't left Baltimore. And the game tomorrow is at one ten. Awesome, with a sarcastic thumbs up emoji. So, yeah. uh, Travis Shaw, after tweeting that, uh, we saw that he was actually not in the starting lineup. Hashtag trouble. Yeah. Nor was Dustin Pedroia. Nor was Dave uh, Ortiz. Dave Ortiz. Yeah. So, and Aaron Hill was leading off. And Aaron Hill was leading off. Say that again. Aaron Hill was leading off. <laughs> he has a 350 on base percentage. Like, I mean, I only saw that after he decided to lead off, but still, that's I mean, I guess I don't guess line up like the Red Sox, like come on. When you put it that way, I guess it makes a little bit more sense, but still, it's just when you see what he's been doing for the Red Sox, I mean, he, he's been decent, but he hasn't been overwhelming overwhelmingly good, and then I've never even known him to be a leadoff hitter. And it was just he I saw he was leading off and that was just absolutely, you know, baffled this is the sixth time has let off in his career and last was with the brewers in june so fun fact for y'all there awesome take that for the weekend yeah so scheduling problems um dave dombrowski had actually contacted the tigers management to change this game earlier in the year a few months ago but uh 
Tigers would not allow it, saying that they have several Thursday 1 p.m. games in their schedule. And for today, it didn't really work out. It is what it is. Uh, yeah, um, actually, there was an article from the uh, Boston Herald, I believe it was, that um, talked about how Dombrowski uh, was kind of um, hinting at the fact that maybe Detroit was not rescheduling uh, or pushing back the uh, the time of, of the game for competitive reasons. You know, obviously coming from, from Baltimore to Detroit, that's, you know, that's not, you know, a five minute trip. That's, that's a decent, that's a decent haul. For you to have a night game in Baltimore, having a, a one o'clock game in Detroit, especially with Baltimore, you know, having terrible weather conditions, making it so that you can't fly out there until it stops, you know, that gives the, the Tigers a, a significant advantage, a significant advantage. And obviously that showed. And maybe that's why, I mean, you know, there are a ton of what ifs that's, that are going to come out of my mouth right now. But what if that's why Tazawa struggled? Maybe he was tired. You know, what if the Red Sox offense, you know, they only scored three runs because they were tired? You know, obviously, um, well, David Ortiz was already scheduled uh, for you know this game to be an off, an off day, but maybe that's why Dustin Pedroia didn't play and, or didn't start, and maybe that's why you know Devin Marrero had to start in his place. Devin Marrero, it's just the man. Yeah, I mean, I would you know talk about Shaw, but Shaw and, and Hill have been you know switching off at third base anyway, so you know that's not really a, a huge piece of news, but it's just. You know, I kind of have to agree with Dombrowski. I mean, obviously this was, you know, not last minute where uh, Dombrowski asked Detroit, hey, you know, let's push this game back. This was, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months in advance. Um, but it just seems a little, I won't say petty. I I can't quite think of the well, word. Well, you said it, so. Well, well, I said it, but that's not the word that I would use to describe this. It's just... You know, it's a little like, you know, come on, just push it back even just, you know, a couple of hours, you know, a three o'clock game. You know, that's still a day game. It's still a matinee, you know, gives the players an extra two hours to, you know, rest up uh, so that they can push back their preparing and their treatment. You know, I just saw that as a really um, competitive move by the Tigers. Yeah, the best the best excuse I saw was that the Lions preseason game was at seven. So, I mean, if you put it in that perspective, it makes sense. But come on, guys. That's very true. I didn't even know about that. You know, that, that's true. That's true. But still, it's just, it, it was a really uh, crappy situation for the, uh, for the Red Sox. Um, and, but I guess that's baseball. You know, there's 161 other games. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, anything else we want to talk about? No, I think that's it today, Kev. All right, sounds good to me, Tom. Uh, you can check us out at the Walk Off Bach Podcast on Twitter at Walk Off Bach Pod. Uh, you can check out Tom's blog on Mulhern's messages. Thank you for yep. listening to the Walk Off Bach Pod. We'll be back on Monday uh, talking about the series with the Reds and the end of the series with the Tigers. Uh, thank you for joining us. Hopefully, our podcast will be on iTunes by then. So, yeah, this is Kevin Kim. This is Tom Mulhern. And we will see you guys later. Peace. Adios.